Hey, I'm Mark. Uh, welcome. This is E3. We are in the second week of our series, 12 Words, where we are unpacking um, stuff that may uh, we may have stored in our lives that uh, may be time to uh, unpack and, and uh, give to the spiritual goodwill or something like that. Get it get it out there. Last week, uh, Pastor Mike or uh, Mike uh, spoke on uh, powerlessness. Um, today, we are going to be speaking, uh, talking about despair in our lives. You know, not only uh, do we need to unpack stuff on a regular basis in our spiritual life, uh, but also just in our in our lives in general, that that we have a tendency to collect stuff in in our lives. I don't know if there's any hoarders here or or anything like that. But even if you're not a hoarder, you probably have lots of stuff in your house or in your garage that just gets built up. When I was uh, in my 20s, I was working as a volunteer in youth ministry, and the church got a call about uh, an elderly gentleman uh, who had passed away in our church, and the family had gone through the house and and took everything that they wanted out, and they wanted to, uh, they thought that there would be some stuff uh, in the home that, that uh could be taken and do a garage sale or, or something like that. So uh, obviously they thought about youth ministry, right? So uh, I, I led the initiative to go to this house and I brought some youths uh, with me and uh, more than two youths, uh, several youths. And uh, we went, I, we had no idea what we were going to be walking into. And it was the first time that I've ever uh, gone into a deceased person's home, and especially somebody that I didn't know. And I, I just, I was going in with the idea like, oh, we're just going to take some stuff, see what's there for a garage sale and, you know, to help fund youth ministry. I thought it was a good thing. So we were there and uh, we started opening up these boxes and I couldn't believe what we were finding. We would go in there and there was boxes and boxes just packed in, in the garage and stuff in the house, in the closets of as seen on TV stuff. And it wasn't only like one Chia pet. It was literally like 10 to 20 of the exact same thing, never opened. And we were going through it, and I was just so taken. And it was like this, this kind of like moment in my life where God was speaking to this through this person who I'd never met, of this, 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 this reality that that we collect stuff in our life that we don't need. It doesn't do us any good, and it just takes up space. Um, I remember just uh, going through there and, and, and just imagining this uh, senior saint who I would imagine was up late at night because that's when I see on TV infomercials are, right? And... and just the loneliness and the emptiness that is like, oh, I need that, and I need that. And then it would come and, like, wouldn't know what to do with it, would just put it in a box. And the reality is 
you know, we don't only do that in, in our, our physical lives, but we do that in our spiritual lives. That we, we stuff stuff, we, we hold stuff in our life that, that really doesn't benefit us at all. And one of those big things in our life is despair. And I wanted to talk about that today to see how we could be freed uh, from despair, to uh, declutter our lives, uh, to shed off the things that are holding us back. And uh, I was thinking about this uh, uh, despair, and I was reminded of one of the greatest movies ever, and uh, and a clip in, or a, a scene in that movie that that talks about despair. And actually, I went back and I didn't realize that in this thirty second clip, there's four truths that are so important for us to realize about despair. Watch this video. Where am I? The pit of despair. Don't even think. <coughs> Don't even think about trying to escape. The chains are far too thick. And then dream of being rescued either. The only way in is secret. Only the Prince of the Count and I know how to get in and out. Then I'm here till I die? Till I kill you, yeah. So somebody in the previous gathering didn't know what movie that was, and they asked me to tell you what the movie is, but I said some people just can't be helped. So if you don't know what that movie is, I don't know what that says about your eternity or salvation, but I'm not telling you, so you can figure it out, because you got problems. Okay, so there's four essential truths in this, in this short clip. I don't know if you caught it, caught it. but the first thing that, that the, the proprietor of the pit of despair <laughs> says is don't ever think about getting out. And that's one key thing about despair is that it's this trap. It's this pit of despair. And once you're in it, it despair tells you don't ever think about getting out. You're always going to be here. The second thing he said is there's no escape. The chains are too thick. And that's true of despair too. Those who have been chained by despair in the pit that, that uh, escape is nearly impossible on your own. Number three, don't even dream of being rescued. Despair tells us that nobody's coming. Nobody cares. Nobody understands. And the fourth thing that they say is you're going to be here not until you die but until it kills you. And these are the lies that the enemy, that despair tells us, each and every one of us. And we can be lost to this if it isn't for some key essential truths that, that Scripture in Christ tells us. Now, one of the lies that we're told in Christianity uh, 
uh, a lot of times that I've heard is like, if you follow Jesus, your life's going to be great. It's, it's not true. That, that this whole idea that, that following Christ equals, you know, a life of ease, comfort, and pleasure is not biblically true. It's not true if we see it in our lives. You know, uh, Mike talked about this a little bit uh, uh, last week with Job and this whole idea that, that a life absent of suffering um, and adversity doesn't mean that you are living a pure and holy life. And we don't have time to really unpack that. It's a lot more complicated than that. But one doesn't equate to the other. And I know this how? Well, the Apostle Paul, who's one of the heroes of, of the Christian faith, right? Arguably, that uh, he, he wrote about his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 22, he said, are, there, he, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Why is he talking about this? Is because he's becoming he's under attack by other Christians who are who are saying that he is not worthy to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's defending himself. And then he goes in and he talks about his best life now. He says, I know I sound like a madman, but I have suffered or served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Forty was considered a death sentence. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I don't know why does a confession in the middle of this, but <laughs> three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of the concern for all the churches. Ease, comfort, pleasure. Is he outside of the will of God? Does he have reason to be angry or upset or or have despair this is a lot of adversity for one person it's a lot of adversity for several people earlier on in second corinthians chapter 4 he gives us some insight on how he endures these hardships he says we are pressed on every side by troubles but we are not crushed. 
we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Listen to this. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. And then I want you to listen to verse 12. I want you to open up your souls and your hearts to verse 12, what he has to say, because this is such an important sentence. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Let me say that again. So we live in the face of death. Doesn't get much worse than that. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. And this is what I wholeheartedly believe, that the difference between hope and despair is purpose. The difference between hope and despair is purpose. I can tell you that if you faced all the adversity that Paul faced and didn't have purpose behind it, you would be stuck in the pit of despair. Without purpose, the smallest things can throw us into the pit. There's a commercial that I want to show you that I think illustrates this beautifully. And that's why yellow makes me sad, I think. That's interesting. You know what makes me sad? You do! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Tissue? First time I saw that commercial, I think I spit my milk or whatever I was drinking out. I just... Uh, But you think about Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, all these kind of different things, and he boasts about his weakness because he is strong in Christ. And then, yes, this is humor, but again, I think this is why the color yellow makes me sad, right? That that even something as is, is, is mundane as something like that, if we don't have purpose behind our suffering through our, our hurt, through our hardship, that we are going to be thrown into the pit of despair. Here's, here's a truth about adversity. It's a universal uh, gift to us all. You see, you have either gone through a tremendous amount of adversity in your life, you are either going through a tremendous amount of adversity in your life, and if you're not in those previous two camps, guess what? You will go through tremendous adversity in your life. And I've been a pastor for decades, and I've seen different people respond to it different ways. I've seen 
small, relatively speaking, adversity destroy people, that they go into the pit despair and never get out. Over the years, there's people who have committed suicide because they thought they were always going to be in the pit. They were never going to get out. I've also seen people in this community who have have uh, gone through the adversity of addiction or broken relationships or major health issues or bankruptcy, and they are living triumphant lives in Jesus Christ. And this is what I believe the difference between allowing yourself to be thrown in the pit of despair and being able to find purpose in your suffering makes all the difference in the world. Because let me give you a truth. When I uh, was in the ninth grade, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about this, I I flunked out of high school in the ninth grade. Uh, I had a a teacher uh, or really a guidance counselor catch me on the way out and uh, test me for something that nobody really had ever heard of uh, before, at least, you know, uh, dyslexia and figured out that I had major uh, dyslexia. When I was tested, I had a reading level of a, of a fourth grader. And uh, my parents fortunately had the means to send me to a special school. And in that special school, uh, I had a, a teacher uh, who was an atheist, but uh, uh, just just dug into me and 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 helped me. And there was one day that I was going to give up. I just wasn't getting it. I was frustrated. I just was in the pit of despair. And he told me some truth. And I believe that all truth is God's truth, no matter where it comes from. And he looked at me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to censor it a little bit just because of where we're at. Uh, but he said, Mark says, the more stuff that you go through in life, the more benefit you can give humanity. And that stuck with me. I didn't know a lot, but I knew what he told me was true. And here's the reality that, that I know, that people who have undergone a ma- major adversity and have found purpose in it have become blessings to the world. In fact, I would tell you, that, and I think this is true, I'm, I haven't seen every organization or everything, but I, I think every or, you know, nonprofit organization that, that uh, has been has become just an amazing blessing to us, started with one person's pain. There's a a nonprofit here in town. It's called Hang Tough. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, Good friends, uh, their little boy uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Horrific experience. And that family... uh, Going through that, realized that that the support structure for people uh, going through major family uh, 
illness with, with children, uh, that there just wasn't a whole big, there wasn't a lot of support structure. So they started this nonprofit uh, to come around families when their, their children uh, have uh, major illnesses. And it's an amazing thing in Tallahassee that, that we see again and again, you think about AA or SA or, or uh, all of these different things, they are started by addicts. That, that we have the opportunity, instead of being thrown into the pit of despair and to uh, wallow in it and let it kill us, we actually have the opportunity to flip that and see that adversity as something that has been entrusted to us by God to bless others. Again, the difference between hope and despair is purpose. And this is what I think you need to know, and, and we're told, uh, Jim read about it in First Peter, and I just want to unpack it a little bit. In verse 1, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And here's the reality. God knew you and chose you. I don't know, like, if, uh, like, there's somebody who knows you so well now because you've had a relationship with them. My wife and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw a million pictures of us in Italy and uh, kissing our way through Italy. Uh, yes, it was sappy. Uh, but again, in my Instagram thing, it, my little uh, byline says, I'm only on Instagram to embarrass my kids. So I stay true to that. Uh, and, you know, before, you know, we got married and dating and everything, you know, there was, you know, the whole like puppy love kind, kind of thing and, and everything. And it's interesting, 25 years after marriage, I've actually been with Shannon longer than I've been alive, which is kind of like a weird kind of thing in my head. Like, uh, but like, would she, I didn't ask this question in the first gathering when she was here, uh, would she choose me, you know, now being together actually, you know, over 30 years, uh, or 30 years, uh, would she choose me now um, if she knew, you know, knows me the way that she knows me now 30 years ago? I hopefully the answer is yes, but, but here's the reality, that God chose you knowing everything about you, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, knowing your successes and your failures, knowing your long goings and your short goings, comings, sorry, and, uh, and has chose to go through the process of making you holy. Now, Every time I use the word holy, I, I, I feel compelled to, to explain what that is because I think it's one of these Christian words that's grossly misunderstood and, 
and the teaching on it has been horrible in my experience over the years. Now, Holy usually uh, uh, talks about things in two different ways, both in Hebrew and in Greek. That uh, when we're talking about God, holy means absolutely pure. And when we're talking about people or the church, holy means set aside for God's purpose. This holy is neither one of those. This holy is actually hagiosmos. And I know that like Mike and Eric like to have you guys say the Greek. It's bad enough that I have to say it, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But, but this holy, and we'll see later in Scripture, it'll get unpacked a little bit more, but this is actually the work in progress like the purification of gold. And I always like, whenever I have to talk about farming or being a shepherd or like refining gold, I always like, I mean, I don't know anything about any of those things, but, but you know, my basic understanding in your refinement of gold is you pull it out of the ground, right, and has all these impurities in it, Right. Then you got to heat it up, put it under adversity, right? And through that adversity, taking it out of its native state, that you're able to get the impurities out to get to the point where you have that pure gold. And that's not only true with gold, that's true in our lives. That uh, I had a mentor, it used to say that... uh, you don't want to make positive change. You just need a little more pain in your life. Well, that's uncomfortable laughter, but it's true, right? It's true. And then we obey. Then we obey, and we are cleansed. So in verse three, Peter continues on. By the way, when I was in Italy, I went to St. Peter's where Peter is buried, and I went to where he was buried, and that was like a really weird thing, like being in the presence of Peter's body, um, just like the Peter we read about in the Bible is just like kind of, has anybody been there? A few of you? It's like crazy, right? Kind of, yeah. Um, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live for great, with great expectation. If you have your Bibles open, I'd say circle that great expectation. I had the opportunity to teach here uh, a couple of months ago, and I was talking about expectation. I don't know if you were here, but remember that uh, I was talking about how the gap between um, reality and expectation is disappointment. And here in Scripture, we're not only told that uh, that we live with expectation, but great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept for us in heaven, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And there's a quote that I think is so important that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that I think uh, really will help us in this 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 unpacking of despair in our lives. Dr. King said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. 
We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And the reality is that in this life, again, we're going to go through troubles. We are going to go through trials. People are going to get sick, that things aren't going to go our way, that people are going to disappoint us, that, that loved ones are going to get ensnared in things that are self-destructive. And these things are hard. And they can pull us into the pit of despair. But we have been given purpose. And with this purpose, we have to look toward the future, look for our future hope, to never get, get pulled into the finite at the expense of the infinite. Continuing with verse 5, Peter says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, he's not talking about salvation in the sense of uh, going to heaven, in the, like you're getting saved. In this context, he's actually talking about the pain and the suffering that we, that we face in life, that we have this hope that we are going to be called on the last day by Jesus to uh, the unfettered presence of God where there will be no more tears, there will be no more heartache, there will be no more uh, pain, that we will live in the ideal state that God has for us. And I just want to land with this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have, you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In the last few sentences, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be salva the salvation of your souls. And just to kind of like put a bow on this, that what, what Paul is talking about and what Peter is talking about is the exact same thing. And what Dr. King is talking about. That we can we can get trapped and pulled into the pit of despair and let it devour us. Or we can look at what is happening in our life and through, uh, through Scripture and through being in growth groups, be able to bring context to it to allow people into our lives so we don't let despair destroy us, but actually let it fuel us to be 
a blessing to humanity.